And good afternoon, people, and welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 28. And here we are on August uh, 30th, the year 2020. Um, We left off in chapter 18 of Numbers yesterday, so we'll pick up in chapter 19. And uh, in chapter 19, uh, the subtitle was Purification Ritual. And so there's a ritual, details of the ritual uh, for purification that has gone through. Uh, And so we're going to skip down to um, chapter 20. And it says in chapter 20 and verse 1, The entire Israelite community entered the wilderness of Zen in the first month, and they settled in Kadesh. Miriam died and was buried there. So remember that the Israelites are a nomadic community at this point, and they're moving around according to where the glory cloud of the Lord sends them. And uh, so... As they moved to another place in the vicinity, Miriam died. In verse 2, there was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Recall that the Lord had, um, uh, because of the uprising, if you will, of the Levites against Moses and uh, Aaron's authority, uh, the Lord had wiped them out. And so the people were saying, if, if, you know, if you're going to kill us, why didn't you just kill us then, you know, essentially? And so they're grumbling to Moses again. In verse 7, <clears throat> the Lord spoke to Moses, Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch, and it will yield its water. So, <clears throat> in the name of the Lord God of Israel, water, come out of this rock, <laughs> you know, whatever. So they're to speak to the rock, and so that water will come out of the rock. In verse 10, Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring uh, water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, so that abundant water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. And so we see a couple things here. And so... uh, so Moses struck the rock twice, choo, choo, and then uh, a whole mess of water started coming out. Remember, there's 600,000 able-bodied soldiers, plus their wives and, and parents, grandparents, you know, whatever. And, uh, and so we're dealing with a lot of people. There had to be a, a, just a whole mess of water that came out of this thing. In verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness, In the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. They didn't trust him. Why did the Lord say that? What what did they do? What what, I mean, what was so egregious that he would he would tell them that you are not going to lead my people into the land flowing of milk and honey? Let's go back and look. So we see in verse 10, Moses said to the people, listen, you rebels, must we? Bring water out of this rock for you. We, meaning me and my brother Aaron. Moses did not give the Lord any credit for this. He's taking it upon himself. He said, must we bring you water? You know, watch this. Must I bring you water? Now, remember before it was said that was Moses was the most humble person on the face of the earth. And so if that was his true character and nature, then why would he take credit for what the Lord was about to do? In my opinion, it's only my opinion, it had to come from the depths of his frustration with the people. I mean, how many of us, 
would not at some point get frustrated with the people when they keep grumbling to us at every turn. And so I think out of the depths of his frustration, he was just going to show them that you want water here, I'm going to give you water, even though it wasn't him that was giving the water. But the main thing was in verse 11. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. He struck the rock. The Lord told him that you must speak to the rock in verse 8. And so speak to the rock. But Moses struck the rock. Again, I think that was an expression of his frustration, but he was not um, following the directions that the Lord had laid out for him. So what we must remember is that whenever we have been given great authority, along with it becomes a tremendous amount of responsibility. The more authority you have, the more responsibility you have. And the reason that is, is because the more authority you have, the more people's lives are going to be affected by your decisions. And so Moses was leading the Israelite people, again, probably over 2 million. And so the decisions that he made were going to impact all of those people. And so he needed to have explicit obedience to the instructions that he was given. And that is not what took place um, when he struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock. And so it may seem like a minor thing and the punishment may seem harsh that you're not going to lead my people into the promised land, but he did not follow the Lord's directions and he had a tremendous amount of authority. And so his responsibility was to do exactly as he was told. And in this particular instance, he failed. But again, I think it was a human failure because I think it was from the depths of his frustrations, but that's the way it is. In verse 12, uh, but the Lord said, because, yeah. And so he, he told him that you will not lead him in. So let's drop down to verse 17. It says, um, so the people are up and they're moving about again. And they come to the land of Edom. And so remember, Edom is a descendant. The land of Edom is from Esau. And so Jacob and Esau were brothers. And Israel is from Jacob. And so essentially, they're coming up to the land of their kin, of their brothers. And so Moses says in verse 17, please let us travel through your land. We won't travel. Um, we won't travel through any field or vineyard or drink any well water. So in other words, we're not going to plunge your land. We just want to go through. Now, remember, we're talking probably north of two million people. So it's a lot of folks. And so they want to go through the country. And so this is a time when everybody's fighting each other for land and this, that, and the other. And so in verse 18, but Edom answered him. You will not travel through our land or we will come out and confront you with the sword. So Edom saying, no, uh-uh, it ain't happening, bro. You are not cutting through our land. You're going to have to go around. And in verse 21, Edom refused to allow Israel to travel through their territory and Israel turned away from them. And then in verse 22, uh, so as Israel is out moving about, it says, after they set out from Kadesh, the entire Israelite community came to Mount Hor. In verse 23, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron at Mount Hor, <clears throat> on the border of the land of Edom, because again, they're going around Edom, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I have given to the Israelites because you both rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and his son Eleazar, bring them up to Mount Hor, 
Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar. Aaron will be gathered to his people and die there. And so now we see what the eventual fate of um, of Aaron is of, of Aaron is said so he's to go up to the mount with Moses and his son. His garments are to be transferred to his son, and I suppose he will lay down, and then he will perish. In verse twenty-seven. So Moses did uh, as the Lord commanded, and they climbed Mount Hor in the sight of the whole community. After Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar. Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses said to Eleazar, come down from the mountain. When the whole community saw that Aaron had passed away, the entire house of Israel mourned for him 30 days. And so that brings to mind, to me anyway, uh, was Aaron a successful high priest? Aaron's life is like many of our lives. He had successes and he had failures. He was with Moses uh, in front of Pharaoh when they brought in the plagues. Uh, he was with Moses as he led Egypt out of, um, excuse me, as he led uh, Israel out of Egypt. Uh, but he also made the golden calf for the people uh, as an idol when Moses was up on top of Mount Sinai. And so, and he fell. But he got redeemed. And so he got redeemed. He still uh, led the Levites and, and whatnot in representing the Lord uh, for the people. And so... Was he a success? I don't know, but um, it just it just seems to be that that he lived a life that we would live, and so I'm not going to be condemning of Aaron because you know I can easily see that happening. So let's go on to chapter 21, and we see that um, when the Canaanite king of Arad, uh, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming, he fought against Israel and captured some prisoners. Then Israel made a vow to the Lord. If you will hand this people over to us, we will completely destroy their cities. The Lord listened to the, uh, to Israel's request and handed the Canaanites over to them. And Israel completely destroyed them in their cities. And so as far as I can tell, this is the first time uh, that Israel has won a battle. And so they had the battle before when they went against the word of the Lord after they were grumbling to Moses and they, and they said, okay, well, we'll go into the promised land uh, that, that Caleb and Joshua saw and we'll fight. And they got routed because they didn't have the Lord's cover. So this is the first time, as far as I can tell, that, uh, that the nation of Israel um, has fought and won a battle. In verse four, <clears throat> then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom again, because they have to go around Edom. <laughs> The people spoke against Moses. No, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from, uh, from Egypt to die in this wilderness? So again, they're complaining. You know, why have you done this to us? And then in verse six, the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and they bit them so that many Israelites died. And so the Lord's like, look, okay, so snakes, you know, go do your thing. <clears throat> in verse seven, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that we, uh, so that he will take the stinks away from us. Now we see this is a pattern. They grumble, something bad happens to them. They repent and then they grumble again. Something bad happens to them and then they repent. And then they grumble again. Something bad happens to them and then they repent. And so the, you would think that at some point in time they would learn. But this is kind of the human condition. 
Then in verse 8, the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze, a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten, he looked at the bronze snake and he recovered. And so this reminds me very much of, of uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, when the word says to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And so as we are going through this life, as we are traveling this journey, there will be ups and downs. And the word says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, the word says that it rains on the just and the unjust means bad things happen to all people. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer in God or not. It happens to all people. Uh, recognizing Jesus as the son of God and, 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 as your, and as your Lord and Savior does not make you immune from problems in this life. And so the issue is, if you can keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, then what that does is it changes the perspective of how you view the consequences of those events. And so when we look at the you know, negative things or things that we consider negative that happen to us, we all have a way of responding. But from what place is that response coming from? Is it coming from within, totally within you, your mind, your intellect and whatnot? Or is it coming from a position from upon high, from the Lord's position, so that you can see this thing in a bigger, from a bigger perspective, you know, and not get caught up in the, in the micro analysis of the problems and the consequences of those problems. And so when you can keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, then you can keep everything in the proper perspective and then respond accordingly. And so it's very important that we have this perspective and it's a perspective that I'll admit is not easy to always accomplish. I fall to it all the time. And so, and you have to gather yourself and it has to be a, a conscious decision to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus so that you can keep your issues and problems and all that stuff into perspective. And so, um, so yes, so that reminds me of that. And so we move on and we see that, um, uh, that again, Israel is coming to another land and, and, and to, to confront the Amorites and, um, and, and so the Amorites don't want them to travel through their land. They make the same plea. We won't drink your water. We won't do anything. Just let us go through. Uh, the king of the Amorites says, no, you can't do it. And so Israel routed them and, uh, they fought against Israel. Israel struck him with the sword and took possession of his land. And this is, we'll see this play out over and over again. With that, we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.